This is Faithful Sayings, broadcast by the Leon Valley Church of Christ. We're back in Ecclesiastes, this time in chapter 9, and we're going to begin with, I think, what's a fairly well-known text. Verses 11 and 12 of chapter 9, Solomon says, Again, I saw that under the sun the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to the intelligent, nor favor to those with knowledge, but time and chance happen to them all. For man does not know his name, like fish that are taken in an evil net, and like birds that are caught in a snare. So the children of man are snared at an evil time when it suddenly falls upon them. So if you listen previously, you'll recognize that that's a theme that's obviously been repeated before, even in the last chapter. And so Solomon is just arranging the same notes in different ways. And he does this with the theme of uncertainty in life and certainly the march of time and the certainty of, of death. He likes to make these contrasts between things that are certain like death and like the sovereignty of God and the authority of God versus the uncertainty and randomness of life. And he gives several different scenarios um, uh, to illustrate the randomness of life. And some of those we considered last time. And here he's just throwing out a bunch in rapid succession, right? So, And so just as before, also Solomon is going to hear in this text, he's, he's going to distinguish between the righteous and, and the wicked. And he's you know nearing the end of the book now. And the, the last few chapters of Ecclesiastes, they're not um, distributed, or might say allocated evenly. So in other words, they're not the same length. And actually, when you get to Ecclesiastes 9, 10, 11, and 12, it's like the book book winds down really quick because chapter 12 is just a few verses. Chapter 11 is not very long. And so the, the chapters seem to be getting shorter as we near the end. And so he's like quickly driving home this big point, right? That all that matters in the end is that you fear God and that you do the best you can in life with whatever cards you're dealt. And in the end, Spiritually, you're going to be rewarded because our God is a just God and he has all authority. And so Solomon, he's going to more and more exalt the good and the wise, uh, even though, you know, as he acknowledges, righteous people suffer and righteous and wicked wicked people both suffer many of the same things in, in this life. Um, but as you read here, he he. if you back up to verse 1 in chapter 9, he will say that the deeds of the righteous are in the hands of God, in the hands of God. And so the idea is, at least in part, that all they do is within his oversight or control. Uh, but it means more than that. And, and biblically, what being in the hand, if your deeds are in the hands of God, it means that his... Favor, it means that you're in his favor through submission to him. So let me give you an example. Deuteronomy 33, verses 3 through 4. It says, Yes, he loved his people. All his holy ones were in his hand, and they followed in your steps, receiving direction from you when Moses commanded us the law. Right? So these ideas are married together to be in the hand of God. Uh, certainly means to be at his mercy. That's another instant, you know, that's another way in which it's used. But biblically, it also means to receive direction from him. You're in his hand. 
you're receptive to his teaching, or as it says here, when Moses commanded the law, they followed in your steps. And so there's the idea of submission, right? God is their king. They follow him. And I think herein, too, we find a lot more allusions to to Christ, right? It's a picture of, you know, it's pointing forward to submission to him. And Jesus promised in John chapter 10 that nobody would be able to snatch his sheep from his hand in John chapter 10, 28. Remember in that section of scripture where he's describing himself as the good shepherd um, and the sheep, his sheep follow him and they hear his voice, verse 27, and no one is able to take them out of his hand. And so think about the overlap there in that, in that picture and the, the idea of being in the hand of God as Solomon is talking about how these ideas kind of flow, flow together. Um, and this continues the messianic references, I think from chapter eight, also just a, just a short time ago, right? Just one chapter backwards where Solomon is talking about the certainty of the King's authority. And so you keep his command, verse five, you will know no evil thing and the wise heart will know the proper time and the just way. Uh, so he's, this is another motif wherein I think you see a lot of, um, uh, signposts pointing to, to Christ and ultimately what he expects of his people and the security that's in him and the certainty of that security, despite the craziness of life and, you know, all the things that his people uh, will, will suffer. Uh, and then Solomon returns to the second of his three major themes, which of course is, is death. When you read Ecclesiastes, it's, you know, you're going to read about death on every, on every page. And, Obviously, that's there for a reason, and it's not to make us feel bad or to put us in a morbid kind of mindset. But it is—it's a—it's so, a sobering book, and death, obviously, leaving this life is a sobering thing to think about. But Solomon is just really kind of immersing us in it in Ecclesiastes, and he's showing us that uh, not only is death a certainty, but it's—but uh, it's a gateway. And it's a, it's a gateway that you need to be prepared to enter through. Uh, because what happens on the other side of that gate is completely contingent upon what you do here on this side. Um, so whether you live righteously or wickedly, the same event happens to us all, verse 2. And Solomon will say this is evil. And, and what he means by that is not in the sense of like we would use that word like a more like morally evil, or we think of, uh, you, you know, prominent evil figures in in history who you know did violence or something like that. But oftentimes, scripture uses that word um, evil to describe something that's just a source of distress or or concern, uh, like a natural disaster could be called uh, evil. Uh, but right, it's it's just it doesn't have any character. It just it's but it is nevertheless uh, causes a lot of pain and suffering and it's a source of concern and distress and so that's what Solomon means when he talks about the the same event happening to us all being evil that um, this is distressing this is not how it was supposed to be in the beginning right we were originally created to to never die and to live eternally with with God and have eternal fellowship with Him. Um, but that was all ruined, of course, in, in the garden. And we separate ourselves from God when we sin. And so death and the 
evil surrounding it or the distress that surrounds it. It's compounded by the fact that also we make evil choices. And that's and then that's what Solomon talks about in the very next verse, that the hearts of the children of man are full of evil and madness is in their hearts while they live. And after that, they go to the dead. So he's already observed this many times in the book, right? Chapter 7 and verse 20, he says, there is madness in man's heart. And madness in Ecclesiastes means foolishness. It means uh, blindness and like just this kind of like a blind infatuation with this world and the things of this world and just being so eat up with the, you know, the rat race or earning money or physical pleasures and entertainment. You know, those are all, those are all things that he de- deconstructs in Ecclesiastes. But being so infatuated with those things that you never take any time. Uh, to pursue what really matters, and that is um, your relationship with with God, and your standing with Him, and drawing near to Him, and serving Him in your youth and in your old age, as He will talk about shortly here in chapter eleven. So this is this is what Solomon said he sought to understand from the outset, chapter one and verse seventeen. Um, yet it was vanity. Um. Paul acknowledged in the New Testament, Romans 7, 20 through 21, he said, I I recognize this fact about myself, that evil dwells in me, the one who wants to do good. And the only way that he found relief uh, in that was through forgiveness in Christ. As often as he stumbled and as frustrating as it was in verses 24 and 25, he says, who is going to save me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ. And so I think here again, Solomon is pointing us to 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 Christ that you know there's all these things that we chase in in life right we were we were made to worship and we were made to worship God and to have fellowship with with him but in in the beginning and ever since the beginning in trying to divorce ourselves from him and that fellowship um, that means that we're, you know, we're, we're rebelling against the very thing that we were designed to do, right? And so, but that doesn't change the fact that we were still designed to do it. That is to worship God and have fellowship with Him. So we seek to fill that void with something else. Um, you know, think of it as, you know, as a, as an eating metaphor. Like when you're when you're hungry. I mean, we were designed to be fueled by food and get our energy that way and, and live our lives that way. We, we were designed to be hungry. And when our bodies are hungry, we go and eat something, right? Um, so that spiritually, that's also the reality. We were designed to be hungry for something spiritually, for, for God and for his truth and the fellowship and the blessings that come from that, that fellowship. Uh, but when we foolishly divorce ourselves from that and say no uh, and, and, and flee from him, well, we seek to gobble up something else in in its place to try and nourish us, and it's just and it's just poison. It's it's madness. It's it's foolishness that we are giving ourselves to. Um, and so, as in another lament of death, if you keep reading in this in this chapter, verses seven through ten, um, Solomon will say, "Go and eat your bread with joy, drink your wine with a merry heart. God has already approved what you do." Let your garments always be white, and let not oil be lacking on your head. Enjoy life with the wife whom you love all the days of your your vain life that he's given you under the sun, because that is your portion in life and in your toil at which you toil under the sun. Whatever your hand finds to do, 
Do it with all your might, for there is no work or thought or knowledge or wisdom in Sheol to which you are going. Right. So I, I wanted to include that entire citation because as you read through Ecclesiastes, you could find yourself thinking that Solomon is just all doom and gloom, and you know, again, you just think, well, he's just trying to, you know, impose this morbid kind of mindset on us. But I think that's an unfair characterization. I know we've talked about that before in previous episodes, but I think that you you find similar statements made like this throughout Ecclesiastes. This one that we just read happens to be the longest of his call to enjoy life. You can go back to chapter 2, and there's a couple of verses there, 24 through 26, and then in chapter 3, verses 12 and 13, and again in verse 22, chapter 5, verses 18 and 20. So it's like it's sprinkled throughout there. You know, it'll say, enjoy life, enjoy your work, you know, hold things with an open hand, you know, whatever you received, just, you know, enjoy those good things as they come. Chapter 8 and verse 15, and he'll do it again in chapter 11. And so each time the point is is the same, that given these realities, given the uncertainty of life and the inability to control, your inability and my inability to control, a lot of what happens, and, and, and given the inevitability, again, of, of death and the march of time, all those things are beyond your control. And so just enjoy each enjoyable experience as it comes, knowing that it's, it's from God. And when... Solomon says that God has already approved what you do. It doesn't mean that God has rubber stamped everything. We know better than that. We just, you know, look at, you know, just read the Bible. But but what he means by that, the Hebrew word ratash means to approve or to take pleasure in. Uh, Like in Psalm 147, 11 and 149, 4. The ability ability to enjoy life is uh, not just a gift from God. it's, It's his desire. In other words, Enjoy the good things that you have because God approves of this. Right? This this is what he this is what he intended. He never intended for pain and suffering and and hurt and, and evil and all these things that plague us in this life. And so whether it's a good meal with family or friends or your spouse or the ble- and the blessings of marriage, right? Enjoy the life uh, with the wife whom you love, uh, you know, children or companionship and intimacy. Solomon is saying, enjoy it while it lasts, right? Every good and perfect gift is from God, physical and spiritual. And, you know, it's a, it's a reflection. It's, it's born out of his love for us. And, and I'm, I'm convinced personally that all the good things that we enjoy in, in this life, whether, you know, it's that, that close bond we share with our spouse or, you know, the moments with our children and the joy that we get from them or the, or even the joy that we get from a, uh, you know, a, a good a good meal um, or, or good weather. All of those things, I think, are just glimpses of what it will be like in in paradise, right? That that, that all of those joys and all those things that bring us joy will somehow be even better there. They'll be perfect and magnified, uh, and even and and have, we'll have even greater joy. But Satan here and now. And this life, as we wrestle against, you know, our own our own flesh and in his in his doctrines, the doctrines of the enemy, he he would have you believe that um, none of these things can have any meaning unless they're extravagant or exotic or, you know, like you go to bed with a different person, you know, every time, 
or you know you get the not only the best food but your food is better than than somebody else's and then that's how you can find enjoyment in this life um and that's all a lie of course and don't forget how fleeting and precious solomon is saying don't forget how fleeting and precious each moment is uh, that an excellent wife isn't something that you can just find around the corner and so don't take your time with her for granted and i think the same applies to your work and your intellectual pursuits and maybe you know maybe this is a reminder just to live each day as if it were your last enjoy life when circumstances are conducive for it and 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 from a physical perspective but from and from the christian's perspective in the new covenant <clears throat> even on the worst days we have every reason to be thankful and to have joy because of our fellowship with God in, in, in Christ, because of the forgiveness we have through Him. So even if my life, you know, my days on earth end today, I can look forward to having a heavenly home with, with Him. And I can know that nothing that happens here uh, will change that because He's going to be true to His Word. Um, so long as I love him with all my heart soul mind and strength uh, and so when when godly people do what solomon is saying to do here they're they're going to acknowledge that um what all the good things that they enjoy that it's it's due to god's uh, approval or or favor this is what he intended us you know and in all these passages the enjoyment of life again it's a gift from from god uh, but pleasure for the sake of pleasure provides no value. A life of wealth and possessions doesn't guarantee happiness. And Solomon, you know, being the richest man of his time, maybe maybe ever, I don't know, and, and, and enjoying all those things that, I say enjoy, but if you read chapter 2 and verse 17, he, he actually didn't. But he, I should say, indulged in all the things that people indulge in today to try and find satisfaction and fulfillment in, in this life, uh, sex and entertainment and all sorts of pleasure. And, 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 you know, he also did lots of, he had, you know, he had whatever career he wanted. He talks about, you know, raising cattle and doing research and, you know, all these sorts of things. Um, and in the end, he's, as we come to the end here, he's saying, just in, enjoy life to its fullest and be content with what, with what God has given you uh, and and put most of your time and effort into knowing him, not in these vain, uh, destructive pursuits. And so after this kind of interlude, he, he shifts back in verse 11 that we read, um, that we read earlier at the top of our, our episode here where he says the race is not to the swift and the battle is not to the strong. And I think here in closing, what he wants us to know is that wisdom, strength, and intelligence don't guarantee material wealth. They don't guarantee earthly success. That there is a randomness. There is, you know, he says time and chance happen to everyone in this in this universe. It plays out in every person's life. And so uh, there's a danger that there, you know, acknowledging that we we confront the danger of delaying to do. You know, or, or I should say, we're we're confronted with the the danger of delaying to do God's will. 
um, when we forsake the opportunities we have each each day. Because it could be our last. We don't know. We just don't, we just don't know. Uh, Solomon says evil times suddenly fall upon people. You know, we have so many expectations about the future. And yet it's so uncertain. We don't know what's going to happen. And our own experience, as and, and more importantly, Scripture teaches us that our expectations rarely harmonize with reality. You know, as far as this life is concerned, you know, evil times again. Solomon says they fall unexpectedly. No one can calculate how unfair the world is is going to be. This, this world that lies in the power of the evil one. First John five nineteen. But what we can be sure of. Again, and what we can take comfort in are the promises of God in the grace that is offered through His Son so that our souls can rest secure in Him and that we can have hope that no one or, or, or anything in this life can take from us. Uh, so there's a lot of cruel nets and snares in this life, but if you're in Christ, you still have everything to look forward to. Thanks for tuning in today.